Hi there folks, welcome to a new Home Bible Study podcast series. We're going to take a look at the School of Christ, John 13 to 17 uh, together and this week I'm your host, Andrew, um, and hopefully we'll be able to have a few different people hosting this podcast through this series. It's going to be six podcasts um, because it's a six part series and we are going to make sure that we try to stick to 30 minutes per podcast session. Um, those are a couple of the changes that I brought in. Other people involved and 30 minutes per podcast session. Um, the other thing is, you'll probably still hear regular interruptions from my family and all sorts of things because I don't have the time to record this and re-record it. So we're going to study through the, the School of Christ. Um, it, the, the title might be intriguing to you. Um, really, what we have in the title is the idea that that really, and it's really come from scripture, that as we as we look at what happens in the upper room, it's really the Lord Jesus gathering His own around Him as their teacher for the last time, and they learn lessons in that which really fits them for what we know as the church age, and uh, now. Um, so, so what we're going to do is is see what the Lord was teaching his disciples, his, his, his apostles, uh, what we can learn from uh, these lessons as well that stabilize us in the world that we live in because we have been left in the world. We're not of the world. We've been left in the world to shine as lights for him, to glorify him. And so we've got this opportunity to do that in a very real way. So I, I trust... I'd love to get some feedback on what you, you want from the podcast. If if it can be done better, whatever, um, just let me know and we'll try to work from there. Going to try to make it more kind of less like a message and more like um, a chat. And so we might even try to introduce a few conversations into it, that kind of thing, uh, where we, we look at the scriptures together um, and, and go through these studies together. Um, I trust that something like that might work out for the glory of God. So we're looking at John chapter 13 today. Uh, the first section, verse 1 to 17. Uh, study 1, and I've entitled this study The Basin. Because uh, the focus of this section is this wonderful lesson that the Lord teaches right at the beginning of them being with him in the upper room. A lesson on humility and holiness I've entitled it okay so we'll try to look at that together and um, so podcast one bible study one um of the school of christ by way of introduction I will say a couple of things about John's gospel you, John's gospel really divides into three very obvious sections chapter one to chapter twelve where the Lord Jesus the the word is being revealed to the world uh, to to well to his own in a wider sense of his own people the Jews mainly um, and the son of God is seen as the light to the world if you like chapter 1 to chapter 12 then then chapter 13 to 17 he is kind of said at the end of chapter 12 that they have they're turning away from the light uh, and and in this section he takes his own disciples and he tells them that he's going away that he's not going to say he's going away. He's, and, and so the focus is not so much his light to the world, but his love for his own. In chapter 18 to 21, we have the Son of God again. And it's not so much 
his light to the world in a general way, the outer court of mixing with people who many of whom reject him and the evidences that he brings, that's the first 12 chapters and the signs and so on of John's Gospel, uh, seven of them anyway. Uh, then in the second section, uh, it's it's his own chat to those, chat maybe is the wrong word, his own talk to those that are his own and and there's a focus in that. But really the last section, verse uh, chapter 18 to 21, is the Son of God and life from the dead. So light, love, life. And I know these are, aren't exclusive subjects, these these uh, themes intertwine, overlap, and we have life and light and love on each each of these three sections, probably. Um, but I think that's a good sort of general thing to keep in mind when we're looking at John's Gospel. The first section, the Lord's disputing with people, Pharisees, Jews, different ones that come who are against him. The second section, he's speaking directly to his own. Uh, and the third section, where he's going to deal with the problem of our sins he's going to the cross and the lamb of god that it tells us about in chapter one will be the lamb of god um on the cross uh dealing with our problem of sin the behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world now um we really have to understand that when we come to the the, the school of christ the upper room ministry that the, the disciples have been greatly shocked the the apostles as they, they listen to the Lord, they discover that he's going away. He's not going to stay with them in the middle of what is a vortex. It's a very difficult situation. Um, the Lord was going away. He had one last evening with his own disciples, or as he would call them, his friends. Um, and we are really privileged to be reading the inspired record of what happened at that event. This is... If if you need to spend a, um, a year studying this upper room ministry, it's well worthy of that study because um, if we can just get the right end of this, it's like a, a lunch pad into the rest of the epistles. It's like a, a, a seed plot. And there's a lot of subjects that are ta just sort of given an embryo in the upper room that are then developed through the other writings of the Apostle Paul and John and so on so just good to keep those things in mind so maybe we should just read um, a couple of verses in preliminary in chapter 1 and then we'll read into chapter uh, 13 so we'll start by turning to chapter 1 of John's Gospel you remember in the beginning was the Word chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the Word the Word was with God the Word was God now look down at verse number 12 uh, to 14. Maybe verse 10 actually for connection. He was in the world, reading through the ESV, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, he, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, when you focus in verse 11, just for a second. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So, the, the thought seems to be that he came to his own things, his own nation, his own temple, all those kind of things. He came to those things that were his own. He came into the world, and in a sense, the world was his own. We know that. The world was made through him. But really, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
um, is a summary of the first 12 chapters. But to as many as received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's really the focus of, of chapter 13 to 70. Uh, they were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so, so what I'm just saying here is that the first section is all about him coming to his own nation and his own people not receiving him. But now let's look at chapter 13, and we'll read from the New King James Version. We'll just read down chapter 13 from verse 1 to 17. Remembering what I say, you'll notice in the first verse the mention of his own. And it's a different his own now. It's not his own nation uh, and his own people that didn't receive him. It's his own that did receive him. It's a smaller group. It's a select group of those who have received him and in a sense have come become part, as it will say, of, of the very family of God, that become children of God. And so there's a change from the meaning of his own in chapter 1 to the meaning of his own in chapter 13. Now that's helpful just to see in the progress of the epistle. But we'll read John 13 together. Verse 1 to 17. Now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew, or Jesus knowing that as hour had come that he should depart out from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, or having come, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he is bathed. Needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You're clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you're not all clean. So when he washed their feet and taken his garments, he sat down and he said to him, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I wonder what it was like being there, listening to the Lord Jesus Perhaps not knowing just how momentous the moments were. I mean, you think of it, the disciples knew they were, in, they were there in Jerusalem, that there was pressure all around him, that people were seeking for the Lord Jesus to, to, to kill him, uh, that, that there was a real animosity towards him from the hierarchy by this time. You read through chapter 11, 12, uh, you'll understand that it's true. Um, and yet here we have the Lord, of life and glory and he gathers at the feast of the Passover he gathers around him his own in that upper room you read about it in the other um, the other um, gospels so we this is the, the last time part of this 
is going to be done in the upper room and it seems and then part of it on the way uh, to the 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 garden so part of it we call it the upper room ministry but really um chapter 13 and 14 are, are, are in the upper room and uh, you'll notice at the end of chapter 14 we have these words rise let us go from here rise let us go hence whatever um and and from then on it seems that the lord has gone out into the the streets of jerusalem and is moving with his own he's moving through towards the garden uh, of gethsemane uh, as we know the lord will be uh, when he is um found and and he is taken from the garden so so here we have it we have um this divided talk a talk that really draws his own around him close and yet keeps their feet on the ground they still have to walk the dusty lanes of jerusalem and so on so so that's maybe a uh, good to keep in in mind where where does the rubber hit the road with with these um messages that the lord would take them into the heavenlies and get them away from the world in the upper room as it were but he will also have them walking with him through um the the streets of jerusalem to the to the garden so anyway uh, i haven't said enough by way of introduction what i want to do is just pick up the four points that i make at the bottom of this um first page in the handout um you'll notice um the way i divide it is this what the teacher knows that's the first three verses if you like then how the teacher begins the lesson that's that three verse three to verse five we'll think of that the class discussion that follows and then how eventually from verse 12 the class discussion 6 to 11 the, the teacher concludes verse 12 to 17. what the teacher knows how the teacher teacher begins a lesson he does it with an object lesson we'll see that uh, the class discussion that comes out tumbles out if you like of his um wonderful act that he performs and then how the teacher concludes how he tells them the importance of the lesson that he's just given to them so let's come to the text itself and try to understand a little bit of what is happening it says now before the feast of the the passover when jesus knew or jesus knowing that his hour had come Look down at verse number three. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. One of the things that's essential for a good teacher is that they know. They know their subject. You know, some of us have had teachers um, that weren't maybe so proficient in their subject as they should have been. Uh, we've all been there, those of us that are involved in teaching as well. So um, this was the knowledge that's going to be passed on from the Lord Jesus Christ himself jesus knowing uh, jesus knowing and um, what does he know it tells us that he knew that his hour was come that he should depart from this world to the father so he knows uh, something about his parting uh, it tells us about his parting then it tells us about his people having loved his own who were in the world he loves them to the end then it tells us about his possessions verse 3 jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands 
And then finally it tells us about his pathway. And he had come from God and was going to God. In full knowledge of all these things, the Lord Jesus is going to unfold what we see in the rest of the upper room ministry, what we listen to. Um, in full knowledge of this, he's going to bend down to wash the dirty feet of these disciples. In full knowledge of all that he knows, knowing even, as we're going to find out later on in the chapter, that Judas was a traitor. He's going to wash his feet. And so, in light of all these things, it starts with what the teacher knows. So imagine being brought into this, this teaching situation for the first time. And the teacher there, he knows. He knows in a way no one else could know. And he knows what's going to happen to these disciples. And so we listen in more carefully when we when we have an expert on a topic we we want to hear what they have to say especially when that topic is relevant to us i'm sure you've been in that situation where you you've come across someone who really knows their stuff and and, and if it's something that you're interested in you're hanging on every word so we should be hanging on every word as the lord speaks in this upper room he knows about his parting he knew his hour was coming you remember that idea of his hour it goes through John's Gospels. Uh, John's Gospel, it says that his hour hadn't come, his hour hadn't come. Sometimes later on it's going to say, now this is your hour. But it says now he knows his hour has come. It has come, the, the, the hour from eternity, that he is going to go to the Father via the cross. That he's going to deal with the problem of sin. Um, he's going to take away the sin of the world, bear away the sin of the world, as it says in John one twenty nine. Now before the feast of the Passover. He is going to be that Paschal lamb. A Passover lamb. So um, now he knows all about that. And he knows he's departing this world. To go to the Father. He's revealed the Father. He's showed to people who the Father really is. He showed his own. And now he's going to say at the end. As he departs to them. Eventually in resurrection. He'll say I ascend to your Father. My Father. Uh, my father and your father to my God and your God and he has brought them into connection with the father they're now in the family of God and it says having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end to the utmost to the uttermost to the very full extent he loved them and this is the own as I've said it's not the own of chapter one those own that refused him this is the own that received him to as many as received him he gave the right to be called or to become children of God. Now against that background of love. We have verse number 2. Because against the background of love and light. We have the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot. To betray him. We're going to see this treacherous line that runs down the passage. Not particularly a lot in this first session. As we're thinking about uh, the feet washing. But we will touch it from time to time. The next study will be all about Judas. Well, a lot of it will be about Judas. But here we have, in a scene of beauty and harmony and, and love being shown to these people, his own, yet in the middle of it there's a darkness, a touch of darkness. And against the background of the love of the Lord, we have the darkness of the heart of Judas. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand that he come from God and was going to God. He knew he, he knew that he was in possession of all that the Father had given him, all things into his hand. So, and yet, 
He also knew his pathway, that he'd come from God and was going to God. That this was not where he was staying. He was going back. He was here in a mission, as it were. He was going to accomplish that mission and go back to the Father. And in light of all of that, we have the next section. How the teacher begins the lesson. Not so much now what he knows, it's his what he does. He sets aside and he serves. He rose from supper, it tells us verse 4. And he took a towel, he girded himself, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet. Wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Um, is the Lord symbolising something about himself in these verses? We asked the question and, and, and folk picked up on it and, and took us to the thought of the Lord leaving glory and coming down into this world and I think that really is in the background you remember Philippians chapter 2 where it tells us in Philippians chapter 2 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond slave and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself became obedient to the point of death, even death, on the cross, and so on. Um, so I think, I think really we have a wee bit of a symbol that shows something of his humility, his coming down, his coming right down to where we are. And, and so we, we start with a really obvious lesson that we can take from this, the, the lesson of loving and humble service. Now this is, this is a lesson that Peter is going to pick up on, I take it, in his writings. If Peter was there this time, we're going to see Peter and we're going to listen to what Peter has to say very shortly. But in 1 Peter and uh, chapter 5, um, he, is, he speaks about, I think, this very incident. He says, um, verse number 5 of 1 Peter chapter 5, Likewise, you younger people. Submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another. Be clothed. See that word? Be clothed with humility. Be clothed. That's the word to be girded. That, that's the thought of what, what, what happened here um, with the Lord Jesus. He, he girded himself. Be clothed. Gird yourself like a servant. In other words, Peter seems to be saying, um, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So, so here we have um, Peter and he is humbling himself or he is speaking about humbling uh, himself. Now Peter didn't understand this the first time it happened in John 13. He didn't understand really what was happening. We'll think of that in just a minute so the lord rises from supper he lays aside his garments he took a towel he girded himself so he he laid aside his if you like the outward form of his glory the outward that's the wrong word to use because the outward expression of the inward reality of his glory um and he he clothes himself in humanity uh, he takes the servant's place among mankind he took a towel he girded himself and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And he acted and he lived out 
uh, a servant life. He emptied himself. He humbled himself, as it says in the Philippians passage. He didn't set aside anything of his deity. He couldn't. That's essentially not possible. Um, God cannot become not God, or else he is violating the attributes of what it means to be God. To be God is to be unchanging, to be eternal, to be um, um, immutable is the word that, that is used about God. And that's part of who he is, his essential being. If you take any of those attributes away, he is no longer God. It's like, it's like it's for something to be an essential attribute of, of something else. You imagine a stool um, and that stool has a nice, uh, I don't know, um, a, a, a nice cover on the seat of the stool. Now, now a non-essential attribute of that stool would be that cover. You could take the, the cover away and it would still be a stool. But an essential attribute of that stool would be the legs. You take the legs away, you don't have a stool anymore. So there are essential attributes of God. So, so when, when the Lord Jesus came down into this world, he didn't lay aside any of his essential attributes. He still was God, as he's referred to on several occasions uh, in Scripture and when he was in this world as well. He, he's still essentially God, but he took to himself humanity. And he, he it tells us here that, that he came down he humbled himself he 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 clothed himself um in that sense um he girded himself um as a servant anyway that's just a picture in the background this humble service will maybe come across that again but then moving a little bit farther down um we come under the class discussion um, he came to Simon Peter and Peter said Lord you're washing my feet Jesus answered you, do, you don't understand now but you'll know after this now what is the Lord saying he's telling us that it's not all just about humility and humbleness it's, this lesson is about holiness as well he's going to tell them in other words it's not a lesson that you can just see obviously and immediately um, if, if it was just foot washing then Peter would know I mean the Lord would have just answered I'm washing your feet. What are you doing? I'm washing my feet, your your feet. But the, the Lord's saying, no, 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 there's a deeper meaning. You don't understand it now, but you will understand. And the Lord says, ah, or Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. And Peter, the Lord answers, if I don't watch you, you'll have no part with me. Now, the Lord doesn't say, Peter, you're not going to be have any part in me. Peter was a believer, but you'll not have no fellowship with me in that sense. And what is the Lord speaking about? Of course, Peter goes on ahead being Peter and he reverses this whole thing. Then he says, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And the Lord says, now listen, whoever is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you're clean, but not all of you. What the Lord is saying is, listen, all of you that are my own, those that have been born again, regenerated, who have received the, the, the washing of regeneration, Titus chapter 3, um, you you have a received an all-over bath. It says you're clean, but you need to keep your feet clean. You're all-over clean, but the dusty road of life means that you need to keep your feet clean if you're going to enjoy part with me. You have part in me, but if you're going to um, enjoy part with me you need to have your feet clean um, now what's that mean symbolically um, just as the priests had to wash their hands and feet 
at the labor before they went into the presence of God, if they were to help and, and do the work for God, what the Lord is saying, listen, you're walking through a, a dirty, dusty uh, world. You have been cleansed all over by the washing of regeneration. You, you have been renewed by the Spirit of God. Your, your life is changed. You, you have part in me. But if you want part with me, if you want to enjoy my presence in your life in a deep, real, meaningful way, then you have to um, enjoy, you, you have to have part, you, you have to have your feet uh, washed. And so the symbolism here, and really this idea of foot washing, as you'll see from one of the appendix where I, where I put this in in more detail, is the thought not only of a lesson on humility but of holiness. If we want to enjoy the Lord in our lives, brothers and sisters, we must be holy. We can't, we can't uh, live a life that is grimy in this world and expect just to enjoy the Lord's presence. It just doesn't work like that. And we, we all know this. Um, some The old brothers used to say um, that, that there's nothing as strong as the link of union. In other words, we're saved. Once saved, we're always saved. But there's nothing as weak or as tender as a link of communion. In other words, um, if we allow sin to defile us and we don't keep short accounts with the Lord, if we don't uh, confess our sin, apply the, the water of the word to our, to our feet, to our lives, um, then we will become defiled and, and, and not be enjoying the Lord. Now notice what the Lord says in the last little section as we come to the end of our, our podcast. Um, the teacher concludes, and, and I put beside that, the baton and blessing. Look at, look at verse number um, eleven. You're not all clean, he says. He knew who would betray him, so the Lord knew about Judas. But then he says, "Do you know what I've done to you?" When he sits down, he says this. He takes his garments again. He says, "You call me Lord and teacher and Lord, and you say, well, so so I am. If I'm your Lord and teacher, and I've washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet." Now, is he? What is he saying here? He is saying, I think. That, that we should show humble service the one to another. That our attitude should be a, a washing of feet. And that in certain cultures might mean actually washing feet as it does in, in the Acts on one occasion when it's mentioned, I think. Um, where, and maybe it's um, Romans 16 as well. Um, she washes the saints' feet. That was a hospitality and help and, and, and service. All those kind of things, you know, that, 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 that's involved in it, I think. A practical washing of the saints' feet. Um, but there's a deeper, I think, spiritual significance here. I think he's saying, listen, we've got our obligation to each other to bring the word to each other. The water of the word. The cleansing effect of the word into each other's lives. So that we wash each other's feet spiritually. So that we enjoy the Lord together. And that seems to be where he's going to conclude. You've a baton being passed on to you. The Lord did it. I've given you an example. You should do this to others. You should wash others' feet. You should take the word that, that you've enjoyed and tell others about it. Even another fellow Christian, you should share in this and enjoy it. Um, particularly this was true for the disciples here, um, but it's really true for us as well. And the first lesson, as it were, that we learn in this room, and with this we'll conclude, the first lesson is this. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The lesson of the basin, a lesson on humility and holiness. Can I ask you, how does this work out in your life? How do you really put this into practice? I'm going to ask myself the same question. 
How do I bring the word to people? If I could wash one brother or sister's feet this week, how will I do it? How will I lovingly serve them? If it's not a, a specific word that's being, you know, conveyed to them in words, perhaps, and by my actions, if I show them this kind of self selfless service, this humility. So, yeah, that, that's us for now. Um, study number one uh, was an enjoyable time together. Um, we enjoyed it as we gathered and we looked at the base and a lesson on humility and holiness. Thank you for listening. God bless.